the Living 1982 podcast. Were you into the punk scene in the very early 80s or someone who discovered the genre along the way? Well, we're doing some deep diving into the Seattle punk scene and sharing the story behind a band that was very short-lived but made a lasting impact with members going on to being in some of the biggest bands in the world. Their debut album was never released back in the day but is finally out now. This is the story of The Living. On today's episode of The Living 1982 podcast, we are joined by Andy Fortier, a.k.a. Andy Freeze of The Veins, The Thankless Dogs, and uh, Zip Dads, other, other esteemed bands. Um, and uh, so... <clears throat> I never saw the Thankless Dogs. Did you guys? Did you guys play shows? No, we never played a show with the Thankless Dogs. It was uh, so Duff and I met Chris Udding, and um, and where did you meet Chris? I, you know, he just fucking showed up out of nowhere. I have no yeah. idea. It was at Duff's mom's house, and he was like, "Well, I heard you guys do, you know, and Chris would, you know, he was older, and you know, like." two or three years, whatever it was. And so somehow we got hook, hooked up with him and then ref, Mike Refuser had a, had a uh, he was renting down off airport way, right off the exit there. He had a, you know, apartment down there above some sort of chemical plant or something. I don't know what it was. And like I say, I was probably 15, very early on, Duff was probably 14. And we went down there and we just started playing with Mike and we rehearsed for, you know, two, three months. We weren't any fucking good. You know, I just started playing drums maybe a year before that. And, but um, then we, we got kind of good and then the refusers got back together. So we never did a gig. So, and then that's what turned into the veins. Right, right. It was the you three guys playing with with Mike Refuser. Mike Refuser, for the record, uh, was you know an old uh, an old punk rocker. Uh, you know, from the sort of from the 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 like a pre punk punk rock. Yeah, he was he was a you know a, a you know. Ramonesy kind of New York doll, you know, you know, 75, 76. Right, right, right. And and you know, maybe closest, you know, sort of a Lemmy character, you know, maybe not quite the the voice of a Joey Ramone or something like that. A little, yeah. you know, like like a, a you know, a street level, like a punk rocker before there was punk rock. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I saw him like a, two years ago or whatever during the uh hell what I think it was the enemy reunion or show or something. Right, the bird the bird 40 year and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was down there and he didn't fucking recognize me because he was, you know, half in the bag. And and I was like looking at I, I go, Mike, and I'm sitting here talking to him and and he was a great he was a good songwriter. He had some good hooks and stuff. I remember he had this one song which was if you see my KED, please won't you tell her I'm sorry. Basically fucked, you know. And I, and I said that to him and he looked at me and goes, what the fuck, who are you? I go, Mike, it's Andy Fortier. It's Andy Fritt. And he's like, oh my God, you know. And then a month later he died or something like that. 
yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, he did have some good songs, and and the Refusers, you know, definitely had some good, some good periods throughout their, uh, their throughout their history. They were one of the you know first first Seattle punk bands that that we saw back in the the Bird days, which was you know maybe just a couple years before that when we were first getting our first bands together. The Refusers were already going, I believe. Right. Kind of, uh, kind of more like, a, you know, almost like in, like a, uh, what the Elton Hoke band? What the hell was the name of the band? Elton Hoke was in uh, Mentors. Mentors, you know, kind of yeah. like a two steps down from the Mentors and some. Right, right, right. Another three-piece, you know, band of of people that had been playing, you know, dirty hard rock tunes before, before, uh, you know. 1977 punk rock came came to be um and uh you know the the refusers were you know not quite as outlandish as the uh as the mentors but no no, no, much, no. You know, a parallel existence you know and and so they're playing hard sludgy you know punky music yeah and then next thing you know there's this thing called punk rock so so they had a uh you know the door was kicked open for you know the bands like that to uh, to uh, to go through. Well, yeah. the, the good thing about the good thing about disco is that's what turned us all into fucking punk rockers. Because right, right, because of course you had to hate disco back you then. You no, had to no hate disco. Question about that? It's like yeah. And biggest, and, uh, biggest disappointment in my life is when Blondie went and did disco. I was just like, oh fuck. Oh my god! You know, oh my like, god, how dare they go? Stoop, 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 stoop. You know, how dare they use that? Uh, yeah. And then, you know, in hindsight, it's like, um, I didn't really hate this guy. No, 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 it wasn't that bad. No, I, I got, I got caught listening to Heart of Glass. You know, that's like, oh. <laughs> or you know what, the one that I figured out not that long ago, Fog Hat Slow Ride. Oh yeah. You know, and they were, you know, what they were right in whatever years that was, 75, 76. It's like disco sucks, you know, burn your disco records. And if you listen to Slow Ride by Fog Hat, it's a disco song. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, you hard rockers. It it's expertly played, it's fantastic, and it's a great hard rock tune too. But I mean it it's 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 you know 90% disco. <laughs> and yeah. you know. The, the, they had the audacity to pull it off and, and nobody, none of the uh, disco sucks people were the wiser because it was still, uh, yeah. Still well, mainstream, ra mainstream radio then in, 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 you know, by 79 mainstream radio, I just couldn't fucking listen to it anymore. It was no, just, even earlier than that, probably by 78. I mean, there were still some cool hard rock bands and stuff, but they weren't on mainstream radio. Well, you know, in 79, I was able to drive. Well, not that I didn't drive before that, but it was usually in a stolen car. But um, you, didn't, you didn't let uh, not having a license or not having a car keep you from driving. Places. No, 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 no. I didn't do that. But I, but, but I didn't listen to the radio that much then, though, yeah. too, because no, was, I, I just played all my Led Zeppelin and Bad Company and, you know, fucking David Bowie and, yeah. you know. On, on cassettes. Yeah, or even vinyl. We'd go over to Duff's house and we'd listen oh, to I, was just thinking, I remember we heard Motorhead. The first time we heard Motorhead, you know, uh what was that? Uh Ace of Spades came out and then uh yeah, it was you know, and then Duff got that the album um 
uh, Motley, that Motley Crue album, they go around around, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, album. first Motley Crue record was. Yeah, was I was old. just like, wow. And Frank Verona, a.k.a. Nick, uh, I think Nicky Six, he's from Seattle. Right, he went to Roosevelt, huh? Yeah. 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 He's somebody I, I've never met. I don't don't know him, but of course. I never met him. I, I think I met him when I was a kid because he hung out with some but I knew, but I was like, you know, 10, 11 years old and he was right, right, right. It was before you picked up the sticks. Yeah. yeah he was. <clears throat> anyway, you're practicing with Mike Refuser, getting this new band together, the Thankless Dogs. And this would have been, this would have been 1979. It might've been 78. It could have, well, it could have been. Late but, 78, because we recorded the main single in 79, I believe. Well, the but I, I, I'm, I'm horrible with dates, you know. Yeah, well, I've, I've got, a, I've got a few dates here I can throw at you to, uh, okay. to maybe refresh your, um, refresh your memory. The first, the first Veins show was March 1980. 1980. Okay. And that was that was the the famed uh, Veins. Which you and I both played at. Yeah, yeah, it was the first Fastbacks show, the first Veins show. And you were playing drums, were you? I was playing drums in the Fastbacks. Yeah, so it would be 70, late 79 then, that the Thankless Dogs got together. Right, right, and, and you know, not even knowing the Thankless Dogs, I only know, I mean, because I knew Mike Refuser back then, but I, you know, I can't remember when I met you guys. You know, it could have been, I don't remember going to that party <laughs> out by my parents' house. Maybe I was there, maybe I wasn't. No, I don't think you were there. You weren't okay. there at the Riviera party. I think Kim was there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was all, you know, yeah. it was all where we where we grew up. And, you know. But I mean, I, I would have I would have met you guys like instantly after that, for sure. The funny thing is, is I bought a house right on Sandpoint Way in 107th. I've sold it since. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just up the street. All the time I go by there, I go, oh, there's where Kurt and Al and Dittman lived, right down 103rd, right there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt that was that was quite the uh, quite the corner of uh, of rock and roll. There you go for yeah. its for its day. Um, and uh, the, the the reason I know, and this is just by sheer coincidence, that I have the main uh, ah, single. Have, I don't even have one of those. There's the, uh, there's there the back. Uh, you can see the young uh, Duff and Andy and and uh, Charlie Ryan and uh, David Scott's on there. David Scott, who played drums for Psycho Pop at that first uh, Laurel Hurst Rex Center show. Right. Um, amongst who was in Psycho Pop? I can't even remember. Was was uh, um, was, was Tom Price in Psycho Pop? Uh, Tom Price was the bass player in Psycho Pop. So you guys are playing with Mike Refuser. You're kind of thrown in this, you know, you and, and, and Chris Setting Duff, all thrown in this kind of stew. And yeah. uh, 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 Refuser ends up getting back with his old, with his old bands and band. And you guys, you, oh, we've been playing now for a few months. We should start a band, I imagine. Well, that, it basically just morphed out of that. Chris Hutting was the one who, you know, he was really pissed at Refuser because, you know, he thought this was his rocket to start him. And then, <laughs> and, you know, in, in hindsight, it probably was the, the very best thing he could do is not be in that band because then 
Um, he, you, you guys start playing the three of you. He goes to the fabled American Music, buys a PA system. Because he got, he got a set, he was in, I don't know if he got it, I can't remember the exact, exactly what happened. I, I don't, he got some sort of settlement. I don't know if it was from some injury or if it was an inheritance, but he got like 17,000 bucks. And American Music had this deal, if you buy a PA, if you spend X, you get 10 hours on our, and it was, we were the first band to record in that studio. Is that? Yeah, yeah. So we got 10 hours, and we chumped that out in 10 hours. Probably yeah, yeah. Less. As, as, yeah. as one would back then. Okay, oh, yeah. so he, buy, he buys the sound system gets the uh, uh, recording package as a bonus. You go to the studio and you, you get a, you record, a day of recording and 1,045. So at that time, you and, and Duff and Chris were his band at the time. So you recorded, you made the Vane single and uh, the song, um, The Loser mm -hmm. is clearly, uh, clearly about Mike Refuser. Mike Refuser. Um, uh, uh, was the uh, Refuser, your fucking user. You, you probably knew it all the time. When, when he asked for a second chance, he let us hanging on the line. Now that it's over, we're glad we got away from you. We didn't get pulled down with you and let a loser like you take over. Because because Mike Refuser wanted to get back into the into the veins and redo it because this you know, his fucking drug addict people in the, in the diffusers. And we just were like, fuck you, no way. Aha, uh -huh. okay, well that, so that all, that all, that all, that all adds up. I was like, I'm sure that refers to something, but I'm not sure what. So, that was it. So you guys start playing and maybe he, he could have very well have been at that Laurelhurst rec show. Uh, no, I think he was just still, cause that Laurelhurst rec show was pretty, pretty, uh, new into it i think he was still trying to do the refuser i, I mean maybe he was okay. there or not. i don't know but sometime between that you know because he, he like he'd be go well these guys are actually pretty cool they're they got something going i want to get back with those guys because my other band is not not getting anywhere maybe A too he, much heroin i think in the old band so you know that's pretty common you know just a, a pretty common thing for ruining uh bands in general sure okay. yeah um and uh, but sometime before you guys recorded this single, he came back and said, "Oh," and, and you guys were like, "You know, fuck you, you loser. We're not yeah. gonna take this shit. We're polished and we know shit. Yeah, we know it. I think is what it was actually. Oh no, we know shit. Oh, is that what it says? It's it very very pronounced. It's like, well, that's that's bold. You yeah, know, we're polished. You guys, you know, you guys had it all. Sure." Uh, and so how many shows did the veins do? I have no clue. Probably maybe 10. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, that was back when we would do shows. I mean, you know, you, you know, back in those days, the, the promoter was you. The, the venue person that rented it was you. You know, you had to put this shit on. Right, you know, right, right. You get you get somebody that you kind of trusted to collect the fucking two dollars at the at the door and hopefully no get you at least half. You know, so oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You you know, get Chris Utting's PA system. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, yeah, and that. He's gonna collect a little money for 
um, you know, bringing that down because, you know, he bought it for sure. I mean, you know, it must have cost some money for you to get a day of recording time and a thousand forty fives as a bonus for buying something. You know, it must have yeah. cost some money. Um, but, but it's but, funny but, because like like what because I remember, you know, the song, The Fake that's on there. Oh, sure, sure. OK, you slow that down. And that's the riff to Welcome to the Jungle. Now, not, but that, Duff wrote that song. So it's all his, his thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think that we, I think that we rehearsed, or Duff came up with that song maybe two or three weeks before we went into the studio. He came up with that riff and then we went through that. So, so not all that, you know, stuff was written, you know, because we were probably together for, I'm going to, you know, and I lose track of time. Oh, for sure probably five months of you know doing shows and mm -hmm. you know getting polished and we know shit yeah you know. <laughs> yeah that's when that's when it was clear that you weren't going to take any shit because you were yeah. polished and yeah, you were, we were polished yeah yeah okay so you know you do the the show it's uh uh um uh early 1980 february or march is your, your first show and throughout the you know 1980 you know like whatever i'm not sure because I, I know that you guys did some other shows but i'm not really aware of you know what what other shows you guys did but of course you know just playing probably the gorilla room you right. know we got busted in the gorilla room yeah yeah we were you know because i i was what 17 years old or whatever and um or whatever it was 19 yeah 17 and so um we we played the fucking gorilla room and i'm sitting there playing asteroids with a beer drinking a beer and all of a sudden the the liquor control board comes in he goes well can i see your id and i go id what do you mean but and, I come, and he goes shows his badge and i go oh no i got a minor musician for me he goes, he goes come on come outside you know <laughs> duff got busted i got busted and they took me down to the to the where they stored all the liquor down there off of you know south of the kingdom down yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they went in there and they're like showing being real nice showing me around and i'm like look how the fuck do we get in here after hours <laughs> it's just full of fucking booze you know why did they they took you from the gorilla room down there no i had to i had to show oh. up the day later right right because that, that, that was where you went that was where you went to get your minor musician permits right oh well i don't don't know that i've never had one so yeah yeah but uh, that's where you know that's where you would go like after a while i mean like but by, by the time everything started happening i mean you didn't need a minor musician permit to play at the gorilla room because nobody checked anyone's id anyway you know, to play there or go there so that was easy enough um uh, and then i guess it wasn't until later in 1981 that even i turned 21. i'm not sure what we did <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember filling out minor musician permits that much i think the places like rex and and stuff like that i guess you just it just didn't matter and you know we do shows at the uct hall or the iof yeah, hall yeah. or the, yeah. the IOF. that's where cleavage, cleavage did iof that was that i think that was our last last i think that was the last band i was in with duff was cleavage and okay so so the veins um at some point 
that sort of just what happened to, what happened to the veins why did the veins uh, what stop? happened to the veins chris Hedding. okay you know you were just done with him okay you you were done with him this would have probably been later in 1980 yeah pro probably not too long after we did the album or the mm -hmm. ep and and so you joined cleavage which no, was the zip dads i think was zip dads, okay, the zip dads which was that's when you know that's when that's when cop potty Dittman came into the picture right right so so the the zip dads were you on drums scott Dittman, singer slats on guitar who was the bass player duff duff okay so it's still you and duff well you me, duff and i were up until uh i let up uh, thankless dawns the veins the zip dads cleavage and then I went to the Deans, and that's when Duff started the, I believe it was the living. Well, or he started fucking around, you know, playing with you guys and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it looks like he joined the Fastbacks somewhere late in 1980. Our first show was in December 1980 with Duff on drums. Right. And, and, and not to say that you that people weren't in several bands at one time, because nobody... Nobody really had anything else to do. Right, right, right. Like, it was very incestuous back then. Or just, you know, like incestuous has such a negative sort of exclusivity sort of sound. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, the Seattle scene is so incestuous. But if you really dissect it, it's just a bunch of bored kids without anything to do. And, you know, you're hanging out at somebody's house and there's a practice room in the basement. and. I remember when Duff joined the Fastbacks, it was just the three of us. It was me, Kim, and Lulu. I played drums, and, you know, we're just sitting around some afternoon, you know, just sitting around, maybe listening to records, not, you know, just wasting time. And Duff, uh, it was Duff's idea. He was like, oh, well, let's go downstairs. Let me play drums, and you play guitar, just to, you know, just to relieve boredom. There was, you know, nothing to do. Um, he's like... He's like, let me let me play drums in in the fastbacks. Just you know, it was just going to be for one practice. He's like, because you're way better guitar player than you are the drummer. And I was like, <laughs> oh, is that an insult towards my drumming? Of course it wasn't, but and of course he was a better drummer than I was. And so we went down there, and you know, played through a bunch of songs. And I was like, well, this is a lot better. You know, there was no thought of getting a new drummer or anything like that. But it was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, and who knew that Duff played drums very good like i yeah, you know, yeah. never really heard him play where did he get a chance to practice how did he learn where did he learn how to play drums probably at your drums wherever they were at his about. house because we rehearsed at his house and that's oh, his yeah. mom so your drum set was in 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 his basement okay so I, I can't remember the house on 38th uh or 39th whatever it was over by duff's house that was your first kind of fastbacky house, let's just call it that. And then there was the one on the 50th, or was it reverse? I can't remember. Oh, gosh. You know, uh, I think. By the freeway there. I think maybe the 39th one, then 50th. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought it was. Because I remember going over, I remember going over to the 39th house, and it was always like, you know, we'd go over there on Friday, and then Clicky would go out and buy us our little pint of vodka, and because um, he was older. And we go back, and I always loved going over there, but it, it was kind of like, hey, let's jam or something like that. And, you know, you guys have probably been playing all week or something like that. And it was it, it was my favorite thing to do. Same thing on the, the 50th house. It was just like, there's a fucking drum set. You got guitar. Let's, what, what are we just sitting up here looking at the 
you know, this, let's go play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Lulu, Lulu always did it. Lulu was a little, just like, no, I've had enough of that. No, no, no. It's too I think actually the 50th house was before, because that's where we played with Duff for the first time. Because there is a couple photos from right around then of that basement. And then I think Lulu insists the 39th house was the last one because we were there. The 39th house is where we practiced in 1982. Um, so that was probably, you know, I think maybe it went. And then there was the one out in, in Ballard on 85th and, and 3rd. You know, oh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those, that's the one I always borrow Kluki's car. And Kluki would get so fucked up, he'd pass out. And I'd be like, going, hey, Kluki, can I borrow your car? Let me borrow it. He's like, oh, and I just, next thing Kluki wake up the next morning. So, where's your fucking car? Oh, Andy has it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he gave keys to Andy. Well, maybe he did. But <laughs> 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 anyway, you slice it, he's got it. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going all over the map here. So. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's all, it's all, all, all interesting to, to figure out how this all started. So then, um, so then cleavage was came from the remnants of the, cause this is kind of interesting. Cleavage came from the remnants of. Zip dads. No, but no, there was another uh, Johnny Vinyl band. Oh, Weenus, uh, or not, or uh, not Weenus. Uh, I don't, I don't really remember that. I, I, uh, I, I, uh, because uh, we had that house over on, remember Cleveland? What was the oh, name of that other house the, where, where the Puds were from and the, you know, the House of Ken, maybe? Maybe it was the House of Ken. The one that was the Madhouse. Madhouse, okay. The yeah, Madhouse, yeah. that was the name of it. So then um, it was Johnny Vinyl. Um, um, shit. Uh, um, um, drawing a blank. Garth and not they weren't in the band and then um one of the Boppo boy guys uh shit funny fucker but he kind of felt he, uh I'll think of it in a minute but anyway so they rented this house right that was right behind the record store there Peaches. and that's kind of where we what Peaches record. Yeah, Peaches. That was it. Yeah. And um, oh, Dan King. That's who it was. Dan King, Vinyl, and Garth rented this house. And that was because the Madhouse kind of shut down. And that's when we formed Cleavage. And that was the first time I ever, you know, because I'm always kind of a breast guy, but I had no idea what Cleavage was. I mean, at that age. And somebody explains it to me, and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And so it was like, I'm going cleavage. And that's when Larson was in the band at that time. Oh, right. Okay. So Jeff Larson ended up being, I think there's a picture of Johnny. Duff played guitar. That's right. Duff played guitar in cleavage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Larson was the bass player. Cause you know, you got to dumb it down to four strings for Larson. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, what was the name of the Johnny vinyl band before that, that had, uh, John Conti in it. What was that? And there was an Asian guy in there too. What the? Oh, there was Alan Michael. Alan, yeah, Alan Mike. I can't remember the name of the band. 
Um, let me ju- let me just search my emails. It uh, wasn't we. Who was in Weenus? Uh, Weenus was Al Block. Oh right. Okay, it wasn't it was that. Al yeah. Dave Shoemate from the Cheaters. Yeah. Let's see. For last the show I saw the cheaters play at was at Fifth uh, and Aloha. Iceman. The missing link. Oh, missing link. Okay, so that was. That was John Conti. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Vinyl on guitar. Was it Todd Fleischman on bass? No, because Todd didn't play bass until he joined the living. Yeah, because it's all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Todd Fleisch was playing bass. I go, I didn't even know you knew how to play bass. No, no, he 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 uh, he was he was he signed on uh, before he'd even he'd even <laughs> the bass or played. And that and uh, that's totally punk rock there. Oh yeah, for sure. So the yeah. missing link <clears throat> was John Conti, and then that morphed into, into- cleavage. But Conti wasn't in cleavage. Say again? Con- John Conti was. So the missing link. No, 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 for sure. Thing. He was probably the only one that had changed. He was probably uh, a Duff. Yeah, another whack job singer, you know, that you, you know, got to get rid of. <laughs> and and Duff, was, did Duff sing in the, the uh, in cleavage? Was he the singer? I think so. I think him and, Yeah. Larson sang a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that would make that would make sense. Yeah, I think Duff was a singer in Cleavage. Yeah, yeah, yeah which 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 strangely sort of makes sense that uh, like a, a year before, a year and a half before, Duff replaces John Conti as being the guitar player singer in the band. A, 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 a fact that would repeat itself unsuccessfully, you know, about a year and a half later. So. So you guys are you guys are doing that? I know that uh, that Cleavage did a few shows, and and of course there was the Cleveland, the uh, the house where Black Flag played a show in the living room. Uh, most and then I remember when Stiv Bader's the Dead Boys came over, and we had a big fucking blowout party there, and the, there must have been three hundred people in this you know twelve hundred square foot house. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, those were of course some. We had a big target on 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 Peach's record because the, the 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 brick wall of. Uh, of peaches was right there and it was it was painted all white and we had a couch that was running right along there and the door opened right to the right to that to that wall he went down the stairs and so i got i found some paint in the basement some old paint and i put a big bullseye but i was too short so it wasn't really round it was kind of like half round (laughs) and we'd sit there and there and we'd drink our beer and then it was like bullseye you must have four feet of glass on the side of that thing but yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland was a very notable. Uh, the house was more notable than the band um, in oh, history. Absolutely, yeah. I remember the cop. The cop showed up when the when the uh, that DOA show um, that was there, and uh, the, the cop showed up, and there must have been you know two inches of beer, slime, guts, and whatever on the cops walked in there, and I was the only one that kind of stayed and went through there, and they're like going. Jesus Christ, this looks like a fucking war zone in here. And I'm like, eh, well, well, well. You know, me as a landlord now, 
I'm like, yeah, you should have been here when DOA yeah. was playing in the living. No fucking, no fucking punk rockers are in my house. Yeah, I wouldn't allow that. I just would allow a war zone. I mean, yeah. think, of, think of Black Flag. Remember that show in your living room? No, Black Flag, not DOA. You're yeah, right. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to crash course in the future of music, it's like, you know, it's like somebody just taking your face and slamming it against the I mean it was it was insane how um high energy that 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 show was and you know in your living room it's like oh we don't have a show we'll play in your living room you know well let's right. get a living room dining room that was you know yeah 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 okay so I, I remember that show that we played up there I can't remember the up by the 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 youth jail up on Pill Hill up there it, it was Black Flag. Ron Reyes was uh, singing and dipping. And I can't remember. It must. It might have been the veins that opened for him. Oh, and, right. It's, uh, Saint, uh, not St. Joseph's. Uh, the whatever that place is up on. I.O.F. or one, one of those. One of those. Whatever you rent it out and do your own thing. And um, I remember Dittman took a quarter and fucking threw it at Ron Reyes and hit him right here in the nose. Broke him and all hell broke loose and. You know, and that, that's when I first bought my Vista. I had my Vista light drum set at that point, and I'm just like going off. Oh, and it was up on stage on the side. I fucking pulled it all out to the fire escape because I thought I'm, I thought they were gonna fucking trash the place. And that was my baby. I still have that set. That was my baby. You know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah. Gosh, I I don't think I, I must have not been at that show because I don't. Oh remember. well, yeah, that was fucking notorious. Right, that's the one that the subhumans were supposed to play too but they didn't yeah maybe but yeah yeah there's a you see the poster on on the internet on, on facebook occasionally yeah cool. yeah yeah great uh great poster i must have missed that one for some reason which is too many, but, uh, so anyway you have your your cleavage you have you know the all, all these all these bands that are you know we're everybody's just looking for something to stick right you know something that can they can make it more than four months, you know, and everybody was, was all these bands were playing shows, whether they be hall shows or the gorilla room or, you know, whatever there's, you know, probably a mainly few. hall shows. I mean, you know, it, it, most of the shit I played was hall shows. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, there was no, there wasn't a, a, a bar to play at and, and, and it was not interesting. Like, you know, the people that were older, at that point in 1980, 81 in Seattle, were not really interested in hearing that kind of music. No, they were all we playing played. at Astor Park and right. You know, they, they wanted to hear a, Parkers a, a, and a well, uh, well manicured uh, uh, band playing, you know, popular uh, rock of the 80s music. Which, yeah. you know, I don't blame them, but at the same time, it's like. I well, do. There was just not much. I mean, other than Rex was always a possibility, and we it seems like we played there, you know, often enough. But that was about the only actual bar that would that catered to anything other than other than than uh, Top Forty and and Rock of the Eighties. Um, and then, so at some point, this all sort of falls apart, um, and. You once again, you and Duff don't have any any real band to be in. So you joined my brother Al, Scott Dittman, 
who was the greatest and he was in the, he was in the zip dads yeah yeah he came out of yeah, yeah. yeah and he was also in the cheaters for sure the, uh, oh yeah 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 but i'm talking about with me so right 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 I mean, i'm just yeah. thinking of of his of his history and uh started the uh the deans yes um Sam Lillig. yeah 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 and and that that lineup um lasted you know until sometime you know, I, in um, I think we we sort of figured out I was talking to my brother Al because there's a, a tape of New Year's Eve going into 1982. Right, right, yeah. The Deans, um, and, and that was remember that doofy fucker. I think his name was Sean. He was a piano player. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in there for a little bit too. Okay, yeah, and Al said. <coughs> Al told me the other day that because uh, he moved to New York sometime fairly early in 1982. Mm -hmm. um, but he said at one point the Deans uh, played with John Conti as a singer, like not a show or anything, but like at least practiced with him, you know, maybe once and maybe also practiced with uh, um, Leif Cole. Leif Cole, they turned it, that turned into whatever the bombardiers. Uh, bombardiers that was after it. after Al got back from New York, but um, you know, I'm just just thinking of this 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 uh, uh, core of, you know, it's almost like what are those little atom things with the things flying around? Of it's all jumbled up, you know. Yeah, yeah, and everybody everybody's just looking for looking for something to stick, you know, like, and it was you know in hindsight it was pretty easy to to think that nothing was going to stick because there was nowhere to play. There was no, you know, whatever scene we had was just all of us. And of mm -hmm. course we would all go see each other's bands and, you know, try to have some fun and, and do our things, but it was really hard to, uh, you know, get anything to stick. Like everybody wanted to be in a band and wanted to make records and wanted to go on tour and do all those things. But, you know, you just putts around for four months and, you know, nothing would work and somebody would get bored and, and quit. So you'd get somebody else instead of them and <clears throat> call it a new band and and keep going. So at some point in later 1981, <clears throat> you had joined the Deans and uh, and Duff and Chris Udding start The Living. And John Conti you know, whose old band was called Laughing Sam, I believe. I, I, I can't remember. First time I saw John Conti was years before that. And I was I, I was dating this chick. I was probably in eighth grade or ninth grade or something. We went over to a house party or not a house party. And she said, let's go over to this. Listen to this band. And Sangster was playing with him. Mm -hmm. Um. That was that band for sure. It was Jim Sanks. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and they played. He, he played. They played Painted Black, and and you know, Conti's a charismatic guy when he wants to be. You know, I mean, it's too bad he's you know as like most lead singers, fucking nuts, but um, uh, but in a good way. I mean, I like Conti a lot. He and I talk, but and he knows he's nuts, but um, but I saw him play that play Painted Black, and I was just like, wow. He's I mean, it was one of the coolest fucking things I ever seen. You know, I mean, I'm standing right there and they're doing it. And I was like, oh, cool. So that sounds was like real music. 
Well, us, they were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And we yeah. went to go see that band, uh, maybe at like St. Joseph's Hall or something like that, whenever it was, maybe 19. Yeah, I think I saw them at St. Joseph too, yeah. 19, yeah, we, we probably all went there because, you know, oh, you look and see a poster. Well, this looks like our kind of posters. It's one of the places that we would rent to put on shows, and it's all bands that I'd never heard of. And so we all go there, and of course, we caused some problems, got kicked out. Sure, yeah. Isn't it amazing? How the hell did we communicate back then without having cell phones or or any of that shit? I mean, there must have been like... I, I, like it blows my eye and can't even think about it now. It's like, how does everybody show up at one place? You know, it's like you don't have this. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's got to be over here. You want to go? Uh, you know, got to be some sort of telepathy because if you weren't home, you didn't get a phone call. No, you know, if if you if you there, well, I guess although we there was answering machines, so like, okay, I'm gonna call everyone at least leave a message. Practices at 4 p.m. tomorrow. And uh, we have a show at uh, the Gorilla Room. You know, they needed a band at the last minute so we could yeah. practice four till six and then go down there and play a show. I mean, I know that happened. And there was even occasionally, I believe the band was called the Butt Boys. <laughs> and oh. I forget who was in it, but, you know, we're all sitting around at Kim and Lula's house and, you know, Brian Runnings or somebody calls from the Gorilla, Gorilla Room. It's like, well, one of the bands fell off. Do you guys have a, uh, a band that can play? And we're like, look around the room. It's like, sure. So we went downstairs and, you know, learned, you know, uh, played a couple Sonic songs, you know, just whatever the whatever the kind of regular songs we would do. And uh, went down there and played that night. And I was like, wow, that was that was kind of fun, you know, because we probably would have gone there anyway. So if you had a band that was playing, then, you know, maybe you got um, free Rainiers or, you know, whatever it sure. was. But you, you get to go play. It was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, what else are we going to do? You know, go, go, go play some music. And I believe, like, at some point, it was probably 1981, 1982. We were all in different bands. And nobody was getting anywhere. Nobody was making any money. Everybody was just just floundering. And uh, I think it was me, you, and Al decided that we were gonna try to get some gigs as a uh, as a bar band. Do you remember that? And uh, <clears throat> I, I do. Yeah, yeah. And and we're like, well, all these bands are making like two hundred bucks a night. You know, playing just songs at bars. We can do that, can't we? So wrote out a list of you know like fifteen songs and went to. Wherever somebody's practice room that whoever may, must have been something that you were in had a decent practice room that wasn't in a basement. I don't remember. Um, or maybe I had a, I had a place over in Wallingford, and then no, actually before Wallingford, I think before I can't, we because I was in a band called the Gestures, right? And that was that was you know that was my first band that actually made money. I mean, we'd go, but that's because I was over 21 and we'd play at bars and we'd do, you know, we did all our original stuff. And we actually almost got, because Muscle Shoals was going to turn into a record company and they were going to sign us. And this is, you know, Dave Kincaid and, you know, all that kind of, you know, during that stuff, that, that time of year. But I had a rehearsal studio Kind of, it was over in Wallingford, kind of behind Gasworks. There was that. Where was that? Gosh, it sure could have been. It might have been. It, might, it seems like it was before that because you would have been in the gestures till '82 or something, '83 maybe, right? Yeah, it was '82. I think it was. Um, you know, it would have been maybe '83. Maybe '83. Right, right after after the Deans. Um. 
and I remember that because I, I was I was like happy that you were in a band that was actually getting somewhere, like you know, like just banging your head against the wall trying to get something to go somewhere. And um, so the you, you joined the Deans with with my brother and Scott Dittman from the Cheaters, and you know they the Deans got a few shows. We opened, I think we opened the first show at the Crocodile. I think, and I, I could be wrong about this. When it turned into the Crocodile. We were the Deans? first show. I well, thought that, the Deans was. Well, that, that would have been, it would have been called the Athens. It wasn't the Crocodile yet, but it was that same space. And that was, you know, that was early. When did it turn into the Crocodile? Oh, in, you know, early 90s. Oh, Jesus. Okay, never mind. Yeah, so, maybe it was the Athens then. It was yeah, the yeah, first. it was definitely the Athens. It was the same, same spot. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was Jim Anderson doing sound who was you know, the sound man for the enemy, you know, so it was all, it was all, you know, in the, the sort of started by the crowd of people that were, you know, a few years older than even we were at the time and were actually, you know, actually really getting things done. Um, <clears throat> so, so you joined the Deans and Duff joined or started the living with Chris Udding, which is interesting because those guys were always a little bit at uh, at loggerheads with each other, but then at the same time in, in the, the and, deans, and they still are, <laughs> <laughs> and the deans were uh, Al Block and Scott Dittman, who were also at loggerheads in the 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 uh, in the Cheaters. They were the ones that broke the band, the, ended up breaking up the band in a uh, in a fist fight on stage, you know. A throw throwdown, not just a joke fight, but a a, a real who was doing the throwdown? Was it was it uh, um, Dittman and who else? And Al Block. Oh shit! They got into a oh. That was you know who, that was. Uh, I can't imagine Al, Al won. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there there couldn't have been a clear winner. That would have been a, a Halloween nineteen seventy nine. Oh, um, more, and more I, of a wrestling match, probably. But yeah, was, well, it, it's it started on stage. We had a makeshift wooden stage at a, at our Halloween show, and it ended up rolling out onto the sidewalk of the uh, of the uh, UCT Hall. Fucking Dittman. <laughs> and you know, there again. Then a year later, they're in a band together, and uh, and 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 uh, you know, so a year later, then then Duff and Chris Ettinger in a band together, the uh, Living, with John Conti, who was, you know, fresh out of the Missing Link, pretty much. It's like, okay, let's get a band together. And I, I remember they didn't have a a, 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 a for sure bass player at the time, because um, Kim Warnick from the Fastbacks said that she played their first show or two in the living and uh and then at, at some point uh uh todd fleischman steps up to the plate and you know gets learns the bass in two weeks and yeah yeah, yeah. Said, yeah and there he's coming and uh and and the uh the, the core of the living had started which would have been also you know mid 1981 and uh um so, you know, they doing odd shows here and there, most probably mostly hall shows, maybe some, maybe a little bit of Rex for sure. I think I have a tape of the living at Rex. Yeah, um, yeah, they didn't play many shows. I remember I used to go, because Flashman lived up in Laurelhurst on, what, what are 48th, 49th, or whatever it was. 
And that's where they rehearsed, was down there in the basement. Right, that's probably yeah. how Flashman got into the band because he had a fucking rehearsal place, you know. Right, right. And and we, you know, I remember there being parties down in Todd's mom's basement that oh, were yeah. that were just you know legendary. Yeah. And yeah. so, and you know, and Todd was cool and he loved music for sure. And you know, oh. he was always around, but he'd never picked up an instrument. So he so he joins and they they start doing shows and then you know, I'm not being in the band. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, 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 apparently Duff and Chris, you know, couldn't quite get along. Really? <laughs> they put an ad in the rocket for a drummer because Duff is like, I'm, you know, I'm once again, he steps up to the plate as he had in uh, the difference between uh, the uh, missing link going into cleavage, you know, uh, 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 no wait, no. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself there. Um, like he, he, he wants to play guitar, so they get Greg Gilmore. That all happens. Um, Greg Gilmore, by the way, just blew me away. I mean, first time I saw him play, I was like, when they played fucking Baller and Blitz, I was just like, what's Conti in it? No, I was just like, fuck, this guy's fucking amazing. You yeah, know? yeah. No, he, uh, Greg Gilmore brought a, you know. He brought this. Brought it up to here. Right, right. Something that, something that the, the Seattle, you know, the the that our group of people, something that our group of people didn't really have back then was, you know, a a, a drummer who was, you know, had the chops and was able to play the fast music, you know, just tirelessly. And, uh, you know, a, not afraid to be a drummer show off too. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, first time I saw Greg Gil Gilmore play, I was just like, well, maybe I should just fucking quit. <laughs> you know, I, I was just like, holy shit, you know. Nah. Of course, I see Dave, I see Dave Grohl today playing. I was just watching a show. Uh, what was that band where, uh, after, after Nirvana? Um, Foo Fighters? Uh, uh, not the Foo Fighters, the one before that. In between... Um, Lanigan played with him for a little while. Uh, oh, Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. So he played with Queens of the Stone Age mm -hmm. for a while. And I was just watching a YouTube thing on their big hit, whatever the hell it was. But I was just like going, Jesus Christ, this guy's fucking amazing. I can, there's no way I can, I can, if I would have practiced drums from then to today, there's no way I could play that shit. It's just like fucking mind boggling. You know, anyway, I'm digressing. Oh no, it's absolutely killer. And uh, yeah. my big thing was, is I was a big tempo drummer and I could play and I could fit in the pocket, but these fills, these guys are doing these days and all that stuff. It's like drum solo. I'm not your drum solo guy. It was like, bah, 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 bah. you know, sound check. That's it. Drum fill, no solo. I can do fill, but no solo. Anyway, we're digressing again. But so, um, you know, this would be sometime in early 1982 that uh, that uh, that Greg joins the Living, and you know, it sort of took them to to another place. You know, it was like, wow, well, this is, um, you know, this is really something else. Um, and they, you know, definitely burned very bright for a few months. And well, maybe even a little longer than that, but yeah. Well, not not very long. They're the last, 
living show was uh, July 30th, 1982. Right, but, I, but, but I'm talking about before, because I, I would see him, you know, I'd go over to Flashman's house, watch him play and do all that stuff. So Oh, yeah, yeah, I, but for sure, like w- once, you know, like- We're talking about on the scene. Like, they, you know, it, it sort of just, just took them to the, this next level. And sometime in, you know, early to mid 1982, they went and recorded those, you know, seven songs that are to be on the, the record. Um, and, and, you know, at that point it seemed like, wow, here's a, here's a band that, you know, actually has, you know, maybe has what it takes to, to get out of, you know, everybody just wanted to you get the boot off their neck. Yeah, get a get a record deal, make a cool record, go on tour. You know, do all the things that that regular bands did. But you know, and it's and we were everybody was doing. You know, it was it was a time that none none of these bands really did anything to bow to commercialism. Like no, at that point, I mean, nobody really knew what to do, even if they wanted to do that. It was just yeah, not yeah. a. Yeah. possibility not that we were not that anyone was trying to be uncommercial on purpose like you know some of the some of the art bands and stuff like that tried to be uncommercial and it was never that you know we're just doing what we liked and what you know we're sitting around wondering why you know 20 people go to all our shows and stuff and, well, and it's completely- funny because when we first i i remember this in you know eighth grade or eighth grade it was eighth grade you know, and Duff and I were, you know, thick as thieves back then and still are, but, um, you know, we, you know, I'm too small. I was too small to be a jock. Duff was too blankly and, you know, a little gangly to be a, to be a jock. And it was like, well, how are we going to get chicks? And it was like, well, let's, you know, maybe play music and get chicks. And it's funny because I don't want to say we got into it to get chicks, but we did. But once we got into it, it became our passion. You know, it was a big passion thing. So all the chick thing went out the window. So it was never really a commercial thing for us. Right, right. But, you know, like, and when you first start in 1979, you know, whatever whatever you guys started playing and started playing together and stuff like that, it it takes on a, a, a thing of its own. But my theory is by about 1982, um, you know, everybody had been doing that. They've been kicking at the door, you know, and seeing some other bands, not Seattle bands, but other bands, you know, that started out with the same sort of humble beginnings and, and people were getting record deals and people are getting places and, you know, getting the, you know, getting to make a cool record that sounded or, good. Or being, being able to afford to buy something that sounds good because, you know, I mean, that, you know, I mean, I remember Duff, we called it the fuck... Foghorn. Foghorn. Yeah, the old <laughs> Foghorn. I don't even know if he still has that, but it, it was that old kind of S. I don't even know if it was a Gibson, but it was an SG style bass. Yeah, yeah, Gibson had. SG bass, an EBO. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely Foghorn. Yeah, whatever that, and, you know, whatever blown out amp that he was playing through. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Foghorn. Bring the fog. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is there going to be a bass after? No, I guess we better bring the foghorn. <laughs> Can't we just go direct? <laughs> but the, you know, like, but my theory is like, by, by around around that time, you know, people were just like, well, I mean, not not like in a sellout way, but people were just in it, like, well, gosh, you know, we've been playing music now for you know three years. 
you know five years whatever yeah 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 whatever it was um you know let's 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 get our shit together and try to try to get try to do something that you know that that is not just you know gonna attract our same 12 friends from you know a no, month something ago. that's commercially viable but not a sell i i understand what you're saying yeah 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 um and you know the veins or not the veins of the living was was kind of an odd one in that it was sort of a step in a different direction but it you know it, it had the you know it had definitely had the power of of you know of music to come right like it was wasn't metal but it was not anti-metal <laughs> no 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 it wasn't but it wasn't and it wasn't just purely punk rock, but it was punk rock, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was, it was, you know, just ten minute to... warning came out of that whole kind of right, right. And it, it, ten minute warning, in a lot of ways, to me, were a little bit more anti-commercial. Um, you know, like making music that was, you know, definitely a full foot in art rock and experimental music, um, rather than rather than you know, like the living was just kick-ass rock. Right, and, right. And the Deans, your band at the time was, you know, definitely had a one foot in 60s, you know, garage well, it was, rock. It rock. was made more commercial, but the, even the band after that, when I went into the gestures later, I mean, and we were playing shows and making money and, you know, like, and, you know, we wrote a lot of our own songs and you can tell it was very 80s then, but, you know, I was still playing fucking Tom Petty songs and, you know, because you're playing bars and people want to hear yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Right, right. And, and, uh, and it, it but just, the living wasn't doing any of that. No, no. They, they I don't know that they may have played a, uh, once, once Greg joined, they probably did a few couple bar shows, but well, most of that was art galleries, art galleries and hall shows and, and, and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, definitely 1982 in Seattle was a year of, you know, people just throwing things at the, the wall and seeing what would stick. And nothing and stuck. What we, <laughs> yeah. see, see what we can do that doesn't suck. Yeah, well, and, or stick or whatever. And then at some point, you know, it must have been August 1982, they just sort of stopped. And Greg and uh, Duff, you know, one by one started, started the 10 minute warning and Right. And the living were were over. Yeah, yeah. That was the that, you know because of my whole music career up to that point until he, until he started the living and I went into the deans. Um, it, uh, you know Duff and I had always been in bands together. I mean it was Duff and I, Duff and I, Duff oh yeah, and I, Duff and Andy for sure. Always. Yeah, Duff and Andy, and then and then I remember I think I went into the deans. And it was kind of a weird dichotomy because that, that's when Duff went into, but you know, living, I think soon after that, and we were kind of a little bit lost without each other. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you have your if you have your team there, then you know, you yeah. know things can't be going that wrong, that far wrong, because you you know, it's like one of you would keep an eye on, you know, if, if somebody had an idea, here's a song, it's like, hey, you know what? That song sucks. Let's not yeah. do it. I remember, the time, I remember the time when he left Seattle, when he left Seattle and went to LA, Duff, I'm talking about. And we were going down 35th driving. He's going, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going to, I'm going to go to LA. You should come with me. And I'm like, look, I'm like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? I'm not going to fucking LA. 
I got a job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it did, it did, it broke my heart. I mean, it, it, not, I mean, not, not broke my heart, but it was just like, right, right. It was, it was, it was, it was quite a thing. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. And it's bad enough you're playing in another band, but now you're going to fucking leave Seattle. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, and, you know, we don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to get to do one of these uh, Zoom calls with Duff. That would be pretty good, though. But what made him, what was the last straw? He was playing a 10 minute warning with Greg Gilmore, who went. Well, oh, I know him. what the last straw is, but I don't really want to say it. <laughs> Had something to do with a girl uh -huh. and, and heroin. He's uh, like, I'm out, I'm fucking out of here, you know. I'm not gonna name names. I know why he left, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm sure. You know, he just he just had it because you know, the, you know, when he left and when when, he, when did he leave in '84? Could have been '84. Yeah, yeah. I was playing in the Crotch Rockets, I think then, and then, um, um, uh, but he left in '84, and it was just like. You know, there's too much fucking heroin. This is, you know, a bad, you know, it was basically heroin, you know, it was heroin and a girl that was why he left. So, you know, me and he and I had that talk when we were going down 35th, and I was just like, fuck, fuck. Okay. And you know, he, he, and, Greg, he and Greg packed up and moved to got in the old Maverick, the old red Maverick, and like going fuck he's living he actually called me you know and by this time i was out of the crotch rockets and i was like going, this is i got I, i'm not going to be because heroin got into the crotch rockets you know with tommy hansen and 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 donner um and yogi and that's who was in the crotch rocket. i can't i can't remember you know, Tom, tommy bonehead hansen um donner and yogi we were in the crotch rockets it was a great band we played up and we go up and play in Canada. You know, I remember all those years we went up to Canada all that time, not to the Crotch Rockets, but we played a oh, great show. Early 80s, we were always up there. Oh, fuck, all the time. I mean, hanging out and listening to, you know, Subhumans and DOA and the Modernettes. And, you know, it was great in Gastown or whatever that, that part of town. What was the name of that house the Matt, uh, up there? The, um, the house we always stayed at. Yeah, yeah, with Dale's, Phil Statesbury, yeah, yeah. Run Rays. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was not a house; it was a floor of a building. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, so the Crotch Rockets went up there, and we played a show, and we kicked ass. You know, I had chicks buying me beers, and you know, whatever, whatever, and then, and then we went to a party, and fucking those guys somehow score heroin, and they're fucking shooting up heroin. And the cops show up and they're fucking pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, I don't do that shit. I don't know what you're fucking talking about, you know? And just ruined when we had the show the next night. It was, they were all fucking strung out, you know, there. And I just went, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was our last show. And I left. And I just said, me and Bonehead went back to Seattle that night. We didn't even stick, spend the night. But oh, right. After, where, where, what right after the show. What show? Where was that show? Do you remember? It was a big place. I can't remember. I don't remember, but it was like I'm, I'm, I'm like done, and that, and it really soured me on the music scene in Seattle because you know, we had we had a meeting after that that show, you know, down in uh, what I tell these guys are all fucked up, and I just said, Tom Bonehead and I just said we're out. Yeah, yeah, this is not working. 
you, you, to, to quote the uh, to quote the living, no thanks, man. Yeah, no thanks, man. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so I said I don't need to go down that dark alley, but you know, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, I know this is more about the living than you know the screwy music scene in Seattle. But. <laughs> well, I, I, to, to me, it's about the screwy music scene in Seattle because you know it's so intertwined with. You know everybody everybody trying to do the, basically trying to do the same thing with whatever whatever sort of sound that any group of people made and you know duff uh, just thinking when when greg gilmore joined the living duff must have i mean it must have been a, a you know a, like a, a conscious effort it's like okay now i'm gonna you know sort of take the reins and and let's you know have this you know, blazing outfit and all the songs are going to be fast. And, you know, whereas, whereas the living before that, you know, had a variety of music. They had their, their fast punk tunes and they had their medium tempo songs. And it was a little bit more of a variety bag. And then, uh, then when Greg joined and, and Chris wasn't in it, it would appear to me that, that Duff took the reins and, okay, here's what we're going to, we're going to focus, we're going to practice, we're going to make this, you know, razor sharp band, which of course they were. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it just, just the thought of how everything was in those years, nothing lasted. <laughs> no, I, I mean, because I, 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 it's funny because I think back in those days and I'm thinking, God, that must've been like 10 or 15 years of my life. You know, it was like six. Yeah, you know, yeah, or you know, even in the thick of things like you know, three two months. Two months was an eternity, you know. Right, like, right, right. Uh, you know, and I know lots of us didn't really have jobs. We just scrounged some money. <laughs> you know, I, I always worked. That's one thing I always did. I always had yeah, a well, job. smart. I I didn't. You know, I was just like I don't know. Somehow, somehow playing music's gonna is gonna magically grab me and and uh, elevate me to some. A uh, bigger, uh, I guess I probably did have a job now that I think about it. Oh, he had to have some job. Parents weren't taking care of you that long. Yeah, not 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 that well. But you not know, like my daughter's twenty eight and still living at home. But anyway, that's a different story. You know, it, it is. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, I lived at my parents for a long time, and they were great. They were really really nice, and you know, I know they didn't like our music, but they allowed it way longer than they should have to appear in their basement <laughs> yeah same with dust mom she was an angel she was she was awesome but you know she and worked a lot mom too. too you know yeah. i mean like we never got to have any parties in our basement there was a separate entrance so we could go down there and you know have our friends over but uh we didn't, yeah. Yeah. there was yeah. no no actual parties like uh like the living <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, those bands were in todd's basement yeah um, and and uh, so everything just sort of falls apart. Everybody, you know, kicks around for a while. The farts, 10-minute warning. And then, you know, must have been, you know, those bands, you know, there, there probably was a fair amount of drug abuse in that band as well. As their ten minute warning, yeah, probably at some point, yeah. It, you know, it just seems like 1982 was kind of the also the pivotal year that people started to do dope a lot. Yeah, I got that. That's when I kind of left that scene. 
me, you know, it was kind of like, after that, you know, you, you know, he's did the 10 minute war and that's when I went to the gestures and I was in more of a, the club scene then. So I, right, I didn't, right. that's not this didn't have, so I can't really recall on all that was going on there, but you know, that's when the bobble boys and, you know, all those guys were doing, you know, MDMA and, or whatever the fuck it was and heroin and got way too right, drunk. Right. It was, it was, it was definitely right around that time. And I don't know, you know, you can't really find one person to blame for that, but it definitely, it definitely took its toll on well, you know, the, Seattle, the Seattle underground scene at that point. And so then it's, you know, it sort of, it sort of split off into bands that were, you know, trying to get away from that and bands that fully embraced that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That, that's basically why Duff left. So. Yeah. 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 So, you know, then ended up right in the middle of it later. Yep. Yeah, world champion drinker. <laughs> Half a gallon and a fifth a day. I'm like, what the fuck? Holy shit. Not the uh, you know, not the greatest, but you know. Yeah, you know. Glad he's still then, around. Yeah. Oh no, I am too, you know. Uh you know, I I went through all that with him, but anyway. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's for another podcast. That's for another podcast. I think they made a movie out of it or something. You know. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. It's but, like, what um, are those things called with paper in them? Uh, uh, I don't know. Book. Book. Oh, book. Oh, book. Oh, book. Yeah. With book. letters on paper that's all they're all like stacked oh. together. Well, you, you don't do that. You just use your, you know, iPad and you read it. Well, that, that's why I couldn't remember what those things were called. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't, you know, I, yeah. I don't even do that. I, I, I always get a, 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 I think it's something on tape, book on tape. Where the, book where on reading, tape. Books yeah, that's where tape. they read it to you. So you don't have to be bothered with. What yeah. are those little? What are those little like A's called? Letters. Yeah, letters. Yeah, alphabet. Uh, alphabet. Yeah, yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I don't. But uh, you know, I mean, like Todd Todd Flashman. I mean, he's a uh, Flashman. I call him Flashman all the time. Um, you know, he's doing good. He didn't get caught up in that shit. You no, know? I spoke to him the other day. Todd. Fantastic. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's always a good guy, and um, Conti, you know little still weird but he's a lead singer he can, he's got an excuse so. <laughs> he's got an overriding excuse to be as weird as he can be i don't well, know what gilmore's doing i, I spoke to him uh, a couple days ago and oh. uh, he's just he's on it he's like sharp and you know it's like yeah let's rock it's like yeah you know i mean because he was always the killer drummer like oh, everybody was, wanted to get best. him in their band and yeah. uh and uh um you know it just it just you know didn't work out for him to be in everybody's band but um is he still playing music i mean is he in a band now or is he i don't think so i don't think he's you know got any you know rock band uh uh going at the moment yeah i mean now is not the time to you know initiate a new rock band i suppose but now is the time to start making some plans to do something if you're, you know, that yeah. way. Well, I still got, I bought, I still got my, my, my Vista light set. 
like it's out in the garage, but the garage is so fucking full of shit. But but I bought a Pentex set, an electronic set. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you put the headphones on and you can play all the fastback songs you want on that thing. You know? <laughs> you can, instantly, you're in the Coliseum playing in uh, Led Zeppelin. There you go. You you press the Led Zeppelin sound on the <laughs> electronics drum set, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't blow everybody out in the house. So. Right, right. It's like you can actually do it pretty much at any any time, and all all anybody would hear is a little ricky ticky ticky in the uh, yeah, slappity slappity slappity. Yeah, anyway. All right. Good Anything talk, else? Andy. I I hope I hope What's at some point we can uh, you know we can hoist one. For now, let's hoist one to Scott Dittman. Oh, cop potty Dittman, and we must end this with Chicon Rampart. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Living 1982 podcast. Circle back for weekly episodes and find out about each week's special guests and where to stream the music by following the band's release on Instagram at the Living 1982.